Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Woody Banter Book Club podcast. I am Maddie here with Courtney. Hello, and today we have a very special episode. As you can see, Maddie and I are not alone, so we will be having our very first ever uh, guest book reviewers, and we will be reviewing the one and only Sarah J. Mass, A Court of Thorns and Roses series. Uh, now, we're going to be doing the first three books today, and this review will be very spoiler-heavy, so if you haven't read them, probably go ahead and hop off and revisit when you're done with the whole series, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So, obviously, we have some guests, so we're going to go down the line here and have everybody introduce themselves. We'll start with who's with Courtney today. Hi, I'm Grace. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Grace. Welcome, welcome. Uh, and uh, how are you today? How, how's it going? <laughs> Great. We're unwell. We have finals next week. Um, Grace goes to school with me out here in Nebraska, so it's yep. been a little bit of a struggle, but we're hanging in there, man. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. And uh, <laughs> Grace, what is your favorite Akatar book? Yeah, hands down. <laughs> okay very nice uh next up we have brielle hello hi everyone my name is brielle uh, maddie and i have been friends for a long time so i'm super excited to be joining y'all on the pod today and uh brielle um uh how how are you <laughs> <laughs> i am good thank you how are you maddie i'm fine I'm fine. And uh, what is your favorite Akatar book? Um, I think just because I finished it recently and it's hot on my mind, I think Silver Flames. Um, but if you asked me a week ago, I would have said Miss Fury as well. Very nice. And finally, we have Amanda. Hello, Amanda. Hi. Hi, I'm Amanda. Um, Maddie, I've known you for a long time. I actually don't know when. I don't know. At what point we met, I just know that at one point you were a part of my life. Like, that's kind of how it felt. <laughs> um, and just to save you from having to re-ask the questions, I'm doing fine. Uh, and my favorite one is definitely, hands down, Akasif Silver Flames has my, my whole world. Hell yeah. Very nice. And Courtney, which one is your favorite? Um... Probably Silver Flames. I'm a big Nesta stan, um, and I know you haven't gotten to that one yet, Maddie, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. She's got some turmoil in there. I can I can relate to that. The character grows. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have not... Um, I've only read the first three. I have not read the last two yet, and after... <laughs> After reading these three, I'm very hesitant to read the last two because unlike everybody else here, I hate these books and I can't wait to talk about it. Yes. I'm here. I'm here to be controversial. I was watching the Goodreads updates and you put like the yawning hand and I was like, no. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, No. Okay. Basically... Here's the thing about me, okay? A little fun fact about Maddie. I'm a contrarian, okay? I always hate oh. everything that's popular. But I went into these books thinking I was going to love them because literally every single person I have ever met loves these books. I mean... Uh, they just... They don't do it for me. I don't know. That... All right. It's because she doesn't like the fairies. Yeah. Oh. The magical element. I'm thinking about little Tinkerbell. <laughs> Pixie dust. Oh, 
what point did any of these descriptions give you Tinkerbell? Yeah. Literally, I made a TikTok about this. Oh my god. Uh, I've got- they're, they're literally all in Tinkerbell. All of them. Is it the wings? What is it? <laughs> so wait, okay. You okay, hate okay. All three of them, which one do you hate the least? Out of these three, the one that I hate the least is probably the first one. Okay. Wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> Incorrect. Uh, I just, you know what? I just like the first okay. one, and it's it's not because I'm like a Tamlin stan or anything, by all means. Okay, I just think that the first book is just. The, the whole trials and stuff that happened, I really love those, and I thought that was a lot of fun to read. The other ones, I just didn't have as much fun reading. Can we just talk about how you said you absolutely hate these books, and you gave all three of them three stars? So if... What do you explain? What does a one star One star for me is Twisted Love by Anna Wong. This is the worst book I've ever read in my life. And I hate it so much. A five-star book for me is Things We Hide from the Light. Or not Things We Hide from the Light. Things We Never Got Over by Lucy Score. Those are my general books. Also, uh, it's not that I don't like fantasy. I love fantasy. Harry Potter, literally Harry Potter changed my life. And I read it two years ago. And I loved those books. But these just... I just saw you gave the Spanish Love Deception three stars, and you're, like, losing credibility. Yeah. <laughs> the Spanish Love Deception's an awful book. I hate that book. Thank you! So Thank you! It it's like, so boring. It was 300 pages longer than it needed to be. Oh, God. It was also, yeah, literally on the first page, it's like, I'll go to your sister's wedding with you. Oh, yeah. so annoying. Oh, also, it, it introduced me, this is, this is totally off topic, but it introduced me to, to a word. A word that I hate, a word that makes me cringe, a word that made things we never got over make me cringe a little bit. And you want to know what that word is? Yes. Milking. Oh. Yeah. There's just really no good context for that. There's never any time that should be used. It is one of the worst words and that was my first experience with it. So the Spanish love deception was automatically marked down a peg for that one. Yeah, it is pretty icky. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get into Akatar. So we're going to talk a little bit about the first book. So for this first book, I think that I will have to spin really quick. Where's my spinning wheel? Oh, also, I was going to say... All of them are in this book, in this book series. Okay, all of the girlies. I cannot see. Okay. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Got it. Okay. Oh. Okay. That one. That's Tamlin. Okay, the blonde one. We know Maddie's fan casting. Yeah. Okay. And then this one right here is Tarkin. It's how I've been saying his name. I guess it's not pronounced Tarkin. It's pronounced. Tarquin, something like that, yeah. Okay. Uh, this one with the red hair, you already know who that is, Lucian. <laughs> then we've got Resand down here, this one with like the the black hair and the blue dress, yeah. and then we've got Feyre right here. I can't and that's the whole that, that's the whole <laughs> cast. I, clues, I know who she's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just had to point that out. All right, so for the first not. book, all right. 
first book will be summarized by spinning the wheel so you know I'm not cheating. Grace! Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I read these books like over a year ago. Me no. too. Yeah. It was, it was in the fall, wasn't it? I think I read this in the summer, these in the fall. Okay. Yeah. It's It's been a while, though. But I watched a summary on this one this morning. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> just a freshen up. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. I guess, how much of a summary do I get? Um, just give, like, the basic plot points. Um, okay. Yeah. Starts out. <laughs> Feyre lives in a cabin with her two older sisters and her dad. And they have recently... Not recently, I guess. They've fallen out of wealth. They used to have money. They no longer do. They're starving, and Feyre is the only one supporting them. So she goes into the woods all the time to hunt. While she's in the woods, basically as the book starts, this is exactly what's happening. She sees a wolf and a doe, and her inner monologue, she's like, oh, I think it's a fairy, but she's like, no, there's no way. But she still uses an ash arrow, which would kill a fairy. And kills the wolf, skins it, and goes home. Then some other stuff happens that's not really important. And then a beast busts into the cabin and is like, you killed a fairy, we have a treaty, you're coming with me, or I can kill you here. Of course, she chooses to come with him. So she goes to... Do you guys say Prithian? Prithian? Prithian. Yeah, Prithian. Yeah. So yeah. she goes to Prithian, and she finds out that the beast is actually... A blonde man a that, <laughs> <laughs> that is the High Lord of the Spring Court, and he, like, stuff's just weird. She, like, thinks nobody's there, and she's, like, skeptical of him and is thinking of escaping. She day-to-day -day boring stuff. He buys her paints and is, like, trying to make her like it there. Then she... It's starting to get weirded out because everybody has masks on and they say it's because of a blight. And she wants answers and Lucian, who is the son of the High Lord of the Autumn Court, tells her to trap the Surreal, which is a, another fae creature that will just like answer any of your questions. So she traps the Surreal, finds out I don't even know what she finds out the first time. <laughs> she Sorry. asks some questions. I'm like, what does she even ask? Um, she she finds out that she has to um, just to stay with the High Lord. Yes. yes. Stay with the High Lord to be safe. Very vague. Okay. Okay, I was like, I have no <laughs> idea what she finds out the first time. Okay, so she finds that out and then goes back. Or actually, what's it called that attacks her? Oh, Naga? the, the Oh, Oh, the bog boggy? 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 Something attacks her while she has the cereal <laughs> in a trap, and she risks her life to free the cereal, mm -hmm. and then Tamlin comes and saves her. Then they have... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the <laughs> I'm sorry. Side note, when she said that... The beast was actually a blonde man. I was like, in my head, I was like, I've met many blonde Literally. men. Literally <laughs> a blonde man. <laughs> well, I was like, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Cal and Mai, 
Yeah. Celebration. Yeah. Of the spring. Yeah. There's some weird ritualistic shit there. Yeah, weird. He, this is when it gets, like, horny. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, he, like, smells someone out or something. I don't know. That whole plot point of that. But she has to stay locked up. She doesn't. She comes free. And then, of course, someone approaches her while she is in a tough situation. And then that's it for that. What happens after that? Well, after a while, like, she starts to like him. Yeah, she's liking Tamlin. She's like, I love him. Very, like, Beauty and the Beast-esque. Yes, it is. It is a Beauty and the Beast retelling, yeah. Yeah. But then... She's still trying to figure more stuff out. She keeps hearing them talking about this woman. They're like, oh, she did this, she that. She doesn't know who they're talking about. Eventually finds out it's Amarantha. Tamlin sends her home because he's like, it's not safe for you. But before she goes, he's like, I love you. She doesn't say it back. She goes home. Then she, like, sneaks back to the spring court. Everybody's gone. She's like, oh, my gosh, what happened? Oh, character I haven't introduced. What's her name? The Alice. Alice. She's like a maid in the house. Yeah. She's like, oh, um, I don't even know. What does she she's, say? She's, she, <laughs> so they, the spring court is like empty, right? Yeah, yeah. And she, Alice has been kind of like her confidant throughout all of this, like being brought to a strange land. Mm-hmm. And Alice is like, hey, dummy dumb. Uh, <laughs> they're gone. Everyone's gone because you messed everything up. And Vera yep. starts to slowly learn, like, these plot points that are now... Um, oh, yeah, because Amarantha isn't... Like, the magic's not keeping them from sharing stuff with Feyre except for one thing that is revealed later. Yes. But... So then she goes under the mountain. Right, because a human can save a bunch of magic Because that makes people. complete sense. <laughs> you yeah. should definitely go straight into the problem. The pits of hell. Yeah. So that's what she does. <laughs> And then Amarantha is like, you can solve my riddle, the easiest riddle to ever, ever. exist, <laughs> ever. or you can do a bunch of hard stuff. It's like three different tests, and she can't solve the riddle for some reason. Well, to be fair, Feyre is also illiterate. Illiterate. So. <laughs> <She is> illiterate. <laughs> um, so then there's the trials. The first one is the worm. What is it called? The Alaskan, <laughs> the Alaskan Bullworm. The Alaskan <laughs> <laughs> so she has to, like, kill this thing. She does. Um, the whole time, while she's under the mountain, though, uh, Recent approaches her and is like, I'll help you. You're dying. You're in this cell. You're going to die. Um, but when you get out, you get to come hang out with me all the time. So she gets the arm tattoo. Yeah, she has a whole sleeve tattoo. Yeah, kind of sick. Yad it up. (laughs) Um, So she gets that, and he's, like, helping her. She's like, I hate you, just over and over again. Mad that he's there, even though he's helping her. But he's he's kind of, um, what's the word? He's, like, mischievous. Like, everything he says is, like, a riddle. So... And it also has sexual undertones. Yeah, he's being very horny again. (laughs) Well, definitely handsome. That's right. Yeah. Um, Second trial, there's... Is it two, like, levers? And And it basically comes down to she needs to read to solve this. (laughs) She can't. She can't. (laughs) And Lucian's gonna die if she doesn't, right? Yeah. Yeah. And... 
<laughs> she basically uses vibes to decide which one to She's like, that's it, and does it. It's fine, it worked out. No, 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 her vibes were off. Oh, yeah, her vibes yes. were off. Her vibes were way off. Resand vibes. But then Resand vibes came in and was like, whoa, go over there now. <laughs> so that yeah. happened. And then final trial. Final trial. She has to kill fairies. Because Amarantha has a vendetta against fairies because a fairy killed her sister by tricking her. So she, they like unmask them. They have like bags on their heads or whatever. She kills two. And then the last one is Tamlin. And she does not. What happens? She, I think she does. She, she does, does stab but him she does it he in has a, like a heart of. She yeah, she, she does it in a certain way that doesn't kill him, you know, because he's not... Yeah, because there's no consequences. No. No one dies. Nope. Well, except for the two first fairies yeah. that she yeah. killed. They, <laughs> they do. They did die. Except for the innocents, yes. Yeah, except for the, the innocents, innocents they that die. just got thrown out there. Um, what is the context of her die? Like, not die. Yeah, dying. It's like... Yeah, it was like she had a vendetta against humans because a yeah. human killed her fairy sister. So she's like, humans are awful. Humans will do anything for love and love is stupid. So I'm yeah. going to make you kill all these innocent people, including your love, to like prove your worthiness to break our curse and like free everyone from my terror and reign. But because it was like the curse also included that Tamlin's heart was literally casted in like a stone casing that when she stabbed him, it wouldn't kill him. But, like, Amarantha's like, I'm not freeing anybody, actually. Joke's on you. Yeah. You, you passed all my trials, but I never actually said I was going to free you until yeah. you solved my riddle. Mm. And it was, like, in the process of her solving her riddle, Amarantha's like, psych, I'm going to kill this bitch. And it starts this whole... <laughs> this she's whole like, thing. it's love. And she's like, actually, it's your dying. Yeah. Okay, that's what I, I'm like, I can't remember the context of her dying. Because she, I know yeah. she solves the riddle, she does the trials. Because it make sense. And then she's dead. the rules. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then they all. I mean, and then death much, is kind of freeing from this world. So much yeah. like Jesus. Yeah, she rises from the dead. <laughs> Favor rises from the dead because <laughs> they all like this part. They give her their They all like walk over, and he's like, "Please save her!" And they're all like tossing like some, like a. <laughs> I imagine like a little ball of light. Like Magic they're like, orb. "Yep, there you yeah. go, there you go." And they all, all the high lords, do it. And then now she is a fae. Yep. I think that's the end. Where she gets to go and live with Tamlin for the rest of her life. Uh, Except. Yeah. (laughs) Then we get the skim book. (laughs) Yes. Um, Uh, Okay, so this first book, I have some issues. (laughs) (laughs) Do you really? (laughs) First of all, I would like to also preface this by saying that I'm not a fan of Beauty and the Beast. I don't like that movie. I just. I was a little mermaid girl. Like that was that was kind of Me you too. Know. They don't have to be like mutually exclusive. They are for me. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie's an all or nothing kind of girl. Yes. Exactly. It was little mermaid or nothing. Got it. Okay. Um but what okay. A couple of issues with this book. First of all, I found it to be kind of weird how she's taken hostage and then in literally like a month she's like actually i'm in love like okay this girl's got like the worst stockholm syndrome i have ever seen a person have in my entire life and then what makes it even worse is that then she decides that she's gonna go and save tamlin but tamlin is like such a little 
bitch. Like, he literally just sits there, and he has, like, he just is letting her take it. And I guess, like, Amarantha could hurt him or whatever. But if he really loved her so much, why would he not, like, put himself at risk of being harmed or hurt? Well, that's on purpose. Yeah, I think that's also yeah, like but this the sucks. plot point of that but, he sucks, but you don't know it yet. Well, I think he but this was the a, idea this was a standalone. True. This was supposed to be a standalone. So I, I'm kind of looking at it mm. from it being a standalone. Was it really? Because there's so many plot points that yeah, feel I feel like thought there's so out. much set yeah. up. Though. And the end alludes to the fact that like there's more going to be happening with Resand in the deal and stuff. Yeah. But, I think the problem with Tamlin is that he liked the idea of Feyre more than the person herself, right? So there's this yeah. whole prophecy throughout the book. Or not a prophecy. It, it's it's a, a curse that Amarantha has placed on them, right? To where, like, they can't tell Feyre what's going on, but, like, there's this really specific scenario where, like, a human with hate for fairies in their heart has to kill another fairy and then come to Prithian and fall in love with Tamlin in order for the curse to be broken, right? And I think he is more in love with the idea that that's the person that she is than who she actually is. And I think she also falls yeah. for him so quickly because of the life she lived prior to this, um, where, like, she couldn't pursue any interests or anything like that. And she's finally now in the fairy lands she has access to food um and she also is able to pursue things like art that aren't necessarily available to people who she's are living a, to survive like she's a teenager isn't she yeah i think 19. she's in there yeah 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 19, that yeah. helps too um yeah yeah <laughs> it's also like she, <laughs> she doesn't my like criticism of Feyre in the first book and like i really started to like her a lot more in the second and third she didn't really have a personality, I think. Like, she was going through the motions because she was trying to support her family. Yeah. She was trying to keep her promise to her mom that she would do that and, like, protect her sisters and, you know, take care of everybody. And then when she ends up in Prithian, that's kind of taken off her plate. And I just don't feel like there was much substance to her because, like, Tamlin gave money to her family and, like, restored their wealth and... So, like, once she was out of the picture, she already didn't have anything going for her with her family anyway. She didn't get along with Elaine. She didn't get... Or she did, but, like, Elaine didn't do much. She just gardened and loved her dad. Nessa was bitch. And then, like, the dad did nothing. So it was, like... I imagine... There wasn't anything going for her. So yeah. when she ends up in Prithian, she is, like... Yeah, she's shown all these new things. She's given the space to do art. She doesn't have to work to survive anymore. And she's just, like... I feel like I would be in the same boat. Like, without knowing anything that happens in the future she she's just going through the motions and the motions are getting better and it's not until yeah. the second or third book or maybe i guess under the trials like under the mountain she is just like i still don't feel like that was really her doing i know like she got a lot of help and it's not that she didn't do all of that herself like recent was there to support her he healed her like all of that was still true but it's it was like in, under the guise of this like perfect love with tamlin that she didn't even know him very well anyway the whole time he was like striking food out of her hand because he didn't want her to eat too much cake <laughs> or like there's no yeah. such thing as a high lady you're just gonna be my my wife or my girlfriend or my whatever i'm like in prithian like you're human but like we're gonna make this work and there's like there's no substance to any of it until i think the second book where it's like oh you have a brain Anyone yeah. reads, so that's like pretty cool. But yeah. Like, and she has, she doesn't like have anything going for her quite yet. So it was easy to fall for this. 
I think, too, like, the fact that Feyre is illiterate kind of contributes to her lack of personality because she lives in such a small community and she's incapable of, like, reading about other experiences and stuff, so it's really hard to develop, like, personality and characteristics outside of that. And we see parts of her, like, painting the um, shack, essentially, that they used to live in, but that's really, like, the only tidbit of any personality besides, like, a starving girl that we get. Um, but yeah, no, I think Brielle's right. It really, Feyre doesn't start to come into her own as like a person until the second book, and it's because other characters kind of start to draw it out of her as well. I think even then, not until towards the end of the second book, because in the beginning she's yeah. still being so stubborn and untrustworthy, mm-hmm. and like she's starting to open up a little bit, but she's still so like, honestly, she's annoying yeah. for like a lot of the first <laughs> and second book. Yeah. Um, my favorite, my absolute favorite, like, I'm not going to call it mythology, but my, that the fans think is that Feyre actually can't paint at all. That is my favorite <laughs> thing, that she's a terrible artist, mm-hmm. and that everyone's like, oh, Feyre, good job, and like, it's just horrible. <laughs> that's my, that's my Like, favorite. talking to a baby. Like, oh my wow. god, that's my favorite thing. Like, every time I see someone try to do her art, it's just the thing that I think of. It's so funny to me. I've also, I noticed that throughout this first book that she would not shut the frick up about painting. It was literally like a significant <laughs> portion of this book where she's just talking about painting and I'm like, dude, it's all do she knows literally how to anything do, else. Go for a walk. True. <laughs> do something. Go she's done lots of walking, Maddie. Glamoured, <laughs> she's done yeah. lots of glamoured um, other Faye watching her and she has no idea. She's yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's, so it's fine. You she know, was so important to the plot because for some reason she just happened to be there right at the 49 year mark. It's so crazy how that happens. How it's right at the exact moment. Oh my gosh. How lucky is Tamlin? <laughs> okay, Not very. They've also though, been sending a lot of his men into the forest trying to get killed. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, I get that it is very weird that it would be convenient for the last year for her to show up, but also... That's how, that's how books work, guys. Yeah. 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 Well, I it's mean, also... Yes, 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 yes. But it's so convenient. I mean, like, that she comes back and he's just gone. It's like, it's so convenient. Like, she should have been there when they take him. And then her be like, oh, actually, maybe I should go there and, and help him. Rather well, than run why- away... That's why he sent her away, though, and she had no idea of what was coming. He did, so he wanted oh, I'm to saying, get her. Out I, of what there. I'm saying is that she should have been watching from a distance as the Amarantha's guards go in and they grab Tamlin. And Tim was like, <laughs> "No, you'll never take me. I don't want to go." And he, she's like, "Shut up, boy!" And like smacks him or something. <laughs> like I like. I do like that. Uh, that SJM lets Feyre kill those two innocent people and I know that sounds kind of harsh but I think the book needed something a little bit more tragic and like well also it was tragic was um what was her name Claire the whole Claire situation Claire better yeah yeah Claire better which is the girl that um when when the night court came to Tamlin and Feyre was there. He asked her her name, and she said that her name was Claire Better instead of Farah Archeron. Is that her last name? Mm-hmm. Archeron. Archeron. Yeah. Archeron yeah. Something yeah. like that. So she 
she says that her name is Claire, and then Amarantha goes after this Claire person, and Claire is actually her neighbor, so she kills her. And then when Farrah goes under the mountain, Claire is, like, crucified horribly up against, up on a wall, just, like, chilling. And Farrah's like, oh, oopsies. Um, There's yeah. consequences yeah. to my actions? Oh, oh my god. god. Like, I, I think there's something to be said about like the Elaine treatment of Feyre for the whole first book until there's something dark that happens to her but like the whole time and like into the future books and like we'll talk about it whenever we get there um on the pod but I feel like everyone talks about how Elaine just like sits there in gardens Feyre just sits there and paints like you know it's like there wasn't much to her in this whole well first book until wait real real bro 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 bro. you cut out for like a seven seconds so you have to (laughs) start okay i will start over um i was just saying that i feel like they sjm needed to set up some sort of darkness some like extreme contrast to who favor was this whole first like three quarters of the book and in typical sjm fashion it's like the last 100 pages are just like pure chaos and everything else leading up to it is like story building um but it's with killing the two innocents and having this like darkened relationship with her older sister and like feeling indebted to her mom and then watching Claire's like body like literally leak blood and guts from the ceiling where she was impaled. Like Farah knew suffering, but it's not to the level at which like that could realistically set up for her character growth that comes in books two and three. So with all of that torture with like all of Reese's intervention, covering herself in poop to fight the SpongeBob worm, like all of that stuff <laughs> is like <laughs> it's not until then that I feel like she becomes a real person. And then it's after like, yeah, we'll get to it and talking about book two, but like later on in book two when she starts to really understand these relationships and these courts and the politics and the social like atmosphere of Prithian is when I'm like, oh yeah. She's a real person. She is a person. She has her own, yeah. like, concepts and ideas and love for certain folks and, like, all of that, I think, was really meaningful. It's just, like, the whole first book is world building. Like, it's yeah. actually, I feel like every time you reread the series, anytime you want to get to know these characters, you can just skip the first book. It doesn't mean anything, really, anymore. Just, she was with Tamlin. She was under the mountain. She suffered a lot of abuse. There's a sneaky little dude who's super hot, tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> and then it's like from there on, it's like this is when this story starts to mean something. So yeah. I think it's really interesting when people read the first book and they're like, oh my god, wow, so cute. Love Tamlin, love Feyre. Like, so glad she survived. Everything's gonna be perfect. It's like, and then sometimes they stop reading. So, like, I don't know what you could possibly, like, if that, that could be a standalone book, it could end there if it weren't for all those little, like, drops of yeah. foreshadowing because. You hear a story about a poor girl who ends up with a rich prince-like high lord type dude. They struggle a little bit. They get to, they get through it, and they end up happily ever after. But it's like no substance. <laughs> There's nothing there. Yeah. Well, and she's so young too. Like it, throughout the books, she as she gets older, I think like the <laughs> frontal lobe development, <laughs> uh, or maybe being or turned into like a full fae might affect yeah. her yeah. maturity and stuff. But on the Claire Better note, I thought it was kind of interesting for the plot that like, and this is kind of, I guess, like a minor critique, but like Amarantha tore Claire Better apart. So when Favor shows up and she 
Amarantha, on all accounts, like, offers a deal that she doesn't need to. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me because she already did that to Claire. So I don't know where, aside from, like, the entertainment that comes from the trials, like, the motivation to offer that opportunity comes from. Because she's already shown that, like, she could just obliterate she already obliterated some she, she thought was Feyre so that didn't make a ton of sense to me but that was very like minor well, you know I mean also though she has because the reason she cursed Tamlin was because Tamlin rejected her right yeah she was real salty and then Tamlin said something along the lines of like loving like I would rather Loving love a human or something like that, like that. Yeah. so I think yeah. also because Amarantha realized that Tamlin does love Feyre that it yeah. was almost also a form of torture and revenge on him that's true to have her go through these things because he has to watch it yeah I guess oh also I think we just skimmed over the fact too that like Resand is um assaulted <laughs> repeatedly oh, yeah. under the amount yeah well yeah. yeah wouldn't that be something we would find out in the second book though when do they like well, in the first book, call him like Amarantha's whore. Yeah, yeah. at this point nickname. he's still that. Like, so yeah. I think, at least reading the first book, you think that he's voluntarily a bad doing man. these things. Yes. Yeah, I'm but, not really sure. Yeah, last he is not. <laughs> yeah, the best, the redeeming parts of this book for me were the trials. I really loved the trials. I love any sort. I love anything like that. It's part of the reason why I think the Goblet of Fire is like one of the best books. Just I love like the little mazes and all that sort of stuff um yeah and i was i was excited for the next book because the next book has been told to me by everybody that it's the best book that they've ever read and somebody here won't say who said that the book changed their lives and or their life and uh (laughs) i was expecting it to change my life terry was expecting it to change my life he kept asking me uh is your life changed yet and i said not for the better so let's move on (laughs) i'm like taking all this so personally (laughs) um okay so i have i have uh to spin for this i was wondering though if you guys think that we should do fan casting for the first book and then do fan casting for the second book after or since the second book establishes pretty much everybody that we need to know do you think we should do it after that i think we should do it at the end once we get like a full a full picture of at least the major plot points and Mm -hmm. stuff because then we can get into like elaine and nesta too Mm -hmm. okay okay just through my phone. Okay. All right. So for this next one, A Court of Mist and Fury. I know you guys are all fighting for it over there. <laughs> all right. Well, this book changed your life. So let's hear it, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to out me like that? Okay. Uh, so the book, A Court of Mist and Fury, starts off in the spring court after the trials, after Feyre has been turned into a fey. Um, and she's not doing so hot. Uh, she's dealing with the moral implications of taking innocent life. She's also struggling with the fact that her entire body has changed. Um, and she's also not so happy with Tam Tam anymore, because he... He's kind of turning a blind eye to her mental struggles. Uh, She, like, throws up at night, and he just lays in bed and doesn't really address it at all. And he has his own nightmares and stuff. He's been alive for a long time, so it's bound to happen. But, um, (laughs) 
they they're engaged um because you know the last book ended happily for them um and we get introduced to this character Ianthe who makes me want to Is run her over it? with a bus a bus Ooh, I don't know she Ianthe. Sucks. Ianthe? something Ianthe, like that yeah. that's how the that's how the audiobook said it but in my head it was Ianth that's what I always said <laughs> yeah. like Ianth yeah. Ianth anyways know. but it's um and she's like a high priestess for the kind of religion that they have in Prithian, right? And she is really full of herself. She's a real big pick me girl. Um and she's kind of trying to run the show. Lucian does not like her because she sexually assaulted him. Um so there's a lot of tension and she is basically planning out Farah and Tamlin's wedding and Farah is like naively trusting her but also a little bit wary and as the wedding grows closer and her relationship with tamlin becomes more strained she starts to panic kind of right and we remember from the last book that she has that deal with resand um so she's walking down the aisle to get married to tamlin and she's like oh god no please god no help me someone um and who appears but mr tall dark handsome himself um and he says all right i'm collecting on my bargain and they go to um the night we didn't talk about the bargain okay yes so i'll i'll do that right now (laughs) in the last book there was a bargain between um and resand where uh resand would essentially help her uh and ease her pain in exchange for her accompanying him to the nightly parties under the mountain in scantily clad um outfits um and they have some flirtations and stuff going back and forth but so the deal stands right and he comes to collect um and he takes her to the night court and she's like how could you do that and he's like because you didn't want to get married and your dress is awful and ugly also by the way <laughs> don't wear that outfit again and so she's like, like don't, don't worry her favorite part of this book is describing every single goddamn dress she wears <laughs> strong detail it's important for the plot wears- <laughs> The dress that she wears under the mountain in the middle of this book, that section in the middle of this book changed my life, Maddie. That's, I think about that regularly. What I think about it just regularly. Just like the sheet that she wore that's like, clothing. oh my god, yeah, I do think uh, about when that says, a lot. When he, oh my god, when he fucking says, when he says, um, don't worry, it's just your body's natural reaction. Oh god. I swooned, I died. <laughs> when he tells him to kneel. I literally went like this, and just, oh. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, keep going, my bad. Uh, Sorry, no, <laughs> so, Reeson comes to collect on the bargain. He also is starting to teach Feyre how to read because he's like, hey, dummy dum dum, um, you almost killed yourself under the mountain there because you can't read. Um, so, he leaves her fun little notes. Uh, Reeson is so handsome and he's the best. Da, 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 da. He brings her back. His wingspan is so huge. Yeah. <laughs> he brings her back to the spring court because um, their time together is over. And she's like, take me back. Um, and Tamlin, at this point, is like a horny dog marking his territory. And he's also becoming a really big jerk. Um, so the relationship between Tamlin and Farah starts to devolve. And he becomes a lot more controlling. Lucian is kind of watching this from the inside, look, from the outside looking in, and he with recognizes with this one eye, and he recognizes kind of what's happening, but he doesn't step in at all. And eventually, it gets so bad 
that Tamlin locks Feyre in the Spring Manor, and she, by all accounts, loses her shit. Um, and so Moore, who is Rhysand's cousin, comes and collects her from the Spring Court, and Feyre basically decides that she's not going back there, because Tamlin is not the same person that she thought he was. She is not the same person she was when she came to Prithian, uh, and she needs some space. So throughout the book now, she is in the Night Court, and she kind of strikes a deal with Rhysand because she felt really useless in the Spring Court, very stripped of any ability to do anything, just kind of like a figurehead. Um, and so what she's really craving is some sort of um, motivation, something to look forward to. And so Rhysand agrees to allow her to help on this kind of quest to figure out what's going on. And we're kind of introduced to the concept of the King of Highburn, who is the ultimate enemy kind of in this story, right? At least at this point. Um, he was Amarantha's boss. Um, and they're trying to get things in order for when an attack eventually comes because those Fae are after the human lands. Um, and so they go through a couple different areas. They go to the Weaver's Cottage where Feyre has to uh, deal with this really scary being and collect a ring. And then um, they go to the Summer Court where Feyre kind of flirts with Tarkeen a little bit and... Uh, He's actually really nice. I like him mm -hmm. as a character throughout the series, but we kind of get an introduction to him, as well as Cassian, Asriel, Amran, and more, who are Rhysand's inner circle of friends. Um, and as the book progresses, Feyre and Rhysand are uncovering more and more clues. They're getting a lot closer to uh, having a lot more resources to potentially deal with the King of Highburn. Um, and on one of their missions, they run into people who are looking for Feyre for Tamlin. Um, they end up in a an inn, if you will, and of course, there is only one bed. Could you imagine? And so um, I sent I sent Courtney a picture of me going. <laughs> I when I got to that one, part, I love the one bed trope. So oh, I do too. I love it. Yep, forced proximity. It's yep. great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So obviously, there's some, you know stuff that happens there not the full <laughs> wiggles finger yeah oh not the whole enchilada <laughs> so but... did we sand so, <laughs> the idea. so they go back out to proceed with their mission and um resand gets injured uh and he's he's dying and Feyre has no idea what to do because she's not from here um and so in a last-ditch effort to try and save his life, she calls on her old friend, the Surreal, who we were introduced to in the last book, who tells secrets and such. And the Surreal reveals to her that Resand is her fated mate, and she's real pissed at him for keeping that from her. So she saves him, she makes him better, and then she decides to go into solitude and paint, uh, and, paint. <laughs> and paint his childhood home. Um, and he shows up at the door and he's like, I'm sorry I kept it from you, but you were going through a lot of shit and I didn't need to dump that on you, which I, I can understand. Mm -hmm. They reconcile. They, um, get real they frisky. Ever. They get real frisky <laughs> with the paint. Real frisky with the paint. Um, and then from that point on, um they're kind of like coming into terms with their relationship with each other fair is developing more of a relationship with Rhysand's friends and the book ends um they're trying to challenge the king of highburn they're trying to 
get the cauldron and Feyre has this ability to like locate the cauldron kind of because Feyre was made and so is the cauldron um, and uh, Tamlin has kind of been communicating with the king of Highburn so they end up all around the cauldron uh, and the book ends with Feyre's sisters getting dipped into the cauldron and turned into Fey. Um, and so this is very, I, I guess, hurtful for Feyre. Like, she, her sisters hate the Fey. Um, they, they also start to integrate her sisters a little bit more because they need to meet with, like, the human queens earlier in the book. Um, but so it, it ends on that note. Lucian's like, oh my god, Elaine, you're my mate. And she's, like, coughing, spewing <laughs> water from being Drowning. dumped in the cauldron. Um, Nesta... Nesta shows how much of a scary bitch she is. <laughs> she points at the King of Highburn as she goes down, and he's he's real scared. Um, that's kind of how it ends. Uh, and then they kind of go into the war type scenario here in the next book. Well, it ends with the reveal that Rhysand has made Feyre the High Lady. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Oh, and and she's, and, yes, and she's and sent she goes back, back to the Spring Court. Yeah. yeah. To infiltrate, to uh, destroy. Like reading the mm-hmm. last page to remember <laughs> where one leaves off and the next um, starts. So she, yeah, she, she pretends that she hasn't really liked Resan this whole time and that the bond is uh, just the deal that they made. The King of Highburn severs the deal that they made, not their mating bond. And she goes back to the Spring Court to wreak absolute havoc on Tamlin, um, which I, I support women's wrongs, so. I well, he gave up her sisters. Too. Yeah, yeah, that was a real yeah, shit move. Yeah, he literally Tam. betrayed everything for them. Mm-hmm. Like, he sucks. Yeah, he does suck. Um, and like, I don't know. I the the parts of Tamlin from the first book start to make a lot more sense once you get into like who he is in the second book. There's things you might overlook that become more apparent, but. Moral of the story is he's a real piece of work, and we love um, the High Lord of the Night Court. Yeah, that's yes. the gist of the book. Um, I do love at this point, like the dynamic from like enemies to lovers to enemies, and then another enemies to lovers. That's my favorite trope. So there's a lot of that in here. Um, the found family. Too. Found family. I love that. Yeah, good trope. Yeah, this book had a ton of foreshadowing. Yes, um, <laughs> it like to like it was like it was supposed to be like a big reveal, right? That she was made into this high lady, and I was like, I read it and I was like, okay, very cool. Wow, isn't it so nice that for some reason, like Lucian's eye that's supposed to be seeing like all the glamours or whatever doesn't see that she has a glamour on her arm to cover up her new tattoo it's so convenient that he's still he's in like this weird in-between stage where he's like i i see tamlin doing some wrong things but also like i kind of like Feyre because she's kind of like a badass or i guess or whatever she learned to read that's cool um and i just i like i don't know and then also i don't know why her sisters are complaining so much they get to be hot forever what the hell's wrong with that? They hate well, It's like, and they, they don't yeah. want to be immortal. Like, they didn't ask for any of this. So, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. I'm Team Hybrid. They were both engaged to be married to human men. So, like, they That's both true. had a future ahead of them I where they were both. What's so great about human men? Form of wealth. 
that would rid them of. Well, you don't think what? anything's great about fairies, yeah, Maddie. Yeah. So. <laughs> Down in the human lands. Oh, I mean, you screwed either way. <laughs> I mean, I think it's the same concept that people like. It, literally, it's the same concept with like people who get turned into vampires in literature, mm-hmm. and they struggle with that because it, you've been turned into something that you despise. That yeah, you they're also very of. like they don't know. Elaine and Nesta don't know the extent and the politics and everything behind Prithian. Mm-hmm. And at this point, they still think it's like people go there and they just murder people all the time and they're terrible. Like they don't know what fate. And now that's knows. been reinforced. Yeah. Because they literally have been stolen to be turned into and put into this. I saw a bookmark. What is it called? This, the bookmark said, had the background of book two and it just said the scary bathtub. And I thought that was <laughs> <laughs> It is the scary bathtub. Yes, indeed. Yeah, there's a lot of baths in this, in these books also. How else would they clean them? <laughs> I mean, no, don't get me wrong. I'm glad they're like washing up, but like there's a lot of, of baths in this. <laughs> oh, and the one phrase that gets used a lot that everybody hates. What? It's okay, just say it. Mate. Water, watery bowels. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, so Why? funny. I don't know when that first gets said in the series, but I know the it's- The first book, I think. Really? Yep. Yeah, I think so. When she sees the worm or something, I don't remember. <laughs> exactly. Just say you're shitting so your pants, literally. it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> No, they gotta make it eloquent. See, okay, so I love vampire stories. So I was trying to change the fairies in my head to vampires to see if I would like it more if it wasn't about fairies, if it was about vampires, and the answer is no. I would still not like it just the same. And I love vampires, so. Oh, I kind of for- I forgot to touch on this too, but throughout the second book, we learn of Rhysand's trauma, right? His mm-hmm. sexual assault under the mountain. Mm-hmm. But we also learn why he hates Tamlin so freaking oh, much. Yeah. And it's because Tamlin's parents uh, were essentially the Prithian equivalent of, like, Nazis, I would say. Um, They don't like humans. They want them to be enslaved uh, or killed. And uh, Rhysand's father was, like, I guess part of the resistance to that sort of movement against humanity by the Fae and... Um, Tamlin's father kills Rhysand's mother and his sister. Mm-hmm. And then Rhysand and Azrael and Cassian go apeshit on the spring court and kill everyone but Tamlin. So, uh, and he, he, Tamlin and Rhysand, I guess, were friends at that, at some point before then, or at least was, acquaintances to the point. Like some sort of a relationship. Because Tamlin knew where Rhysand's mom and his sister were going to be, and he basically, like, gave it away. Well, there's also the... Seems but, like he's got a history of that. Wait, wait, no, because when Rhysand is describing it, he's talking about how Tamlin didn't know what his dad was going to do. So it's not like Tamlin went in with the intention of having Rhysand's mom and sister I think killed. also, though... To Rhysand's knowledge, his mother's wings are hanging in the spring court. Isn't that what he said? They, the they were. Yeah. But doesn't he later yeah. find out That's that Tamlin right. took them down? Took them down and like burned them or something? Yeah. yeah. The next. Well, book. see, and yeah. that's why I feel like yeah, and we t- we learned that Tamlin, like yeah, he's done a lot of bad shit, but also he was not the mastermind behind the murder of Rhysand's mom and sister. So in a way, I feel like we're being set up for, like, a Tamlin redemption arc. Because he's actually, like, he, just as much as everybody else, is a product of their environment, a product of their parenthood, a product of, like, their abuse. 
And they've all been abused and suffered in very different ways. So I, as much as I despise Tamlin and think that, like, he was terrible for Feyre and they were terrible for each other and he's, like, you know, he holds her captive. He's indebted Lucian to him in escaping his own terrible father. Like, they all are kind of in the exact same boat. So the the hanging of their wings, like, that was his father's actions. And Tamlin took them down because Rhysand was his friend. And he knew what he did and what his family had done to Rhysand's family was wrong. Um, I remember they said, like, yeah, Rhysand and Tamlin were good friends. They, like, mentored each other. They were buddy-buddy. Like, they were both like, the next in line. And they didn't want it. Neither of them did. Like, they didn't want that power. They didn't like their parents' rule. Like, Rhysand's dad wasn't that bad in the grand scheme of things. Like, he wasn't on board with doing terrible things to humanity. But, like, they both understood each other in a really important way. And then that betrayal, despite it not being his own, like, intention, that wasn't his motivation, was to betray Rhysand. He still did by giving away that information. And it destroyed their relationship way more than even just, like, both of them being in love with the same woman could. And I think, like, that personal vendetta, because they've destroyed each other's families, like, they've always been in conflict. So now they have something to literally go to war over. It's like, well, that was my wife. Well, she's my mate. And which one, like, what does that carry for each of them? Well, Mm -hmm. and I I do, honestly, I do hope for some sort of redemption arc for Tamlin, Mm because he's shown throughout the series, too, that he has some redeeming qualities. I think, like, he's forced into a situation where, like, you're kind of going to be the bad guy no matter what you do. And I also think that, like... three, he chooses to be the bad guy. That's true. That's true. Or I guess I should say he makes decisions that, that... move him in that direction yeah and you can't but then really, he reverses it i don't but yeah, you can't but really like, blame it on you I can't he's also <laughs> trying to save his court and he thought he was saving like when the sisters are given up to the king he was under the impression that they were not to be harmed and neither was pharaoh and this was like an elaborate setup yeah. to get all the night court people and then further down when he's kind of pledged himself to the king he thinks it's his basic like last ditch effort to save his court yeah not really like i don't think he has like vindictive intentions behind what he's doing i can agree and the i more think what it sorry. comes i think what it comes down to is like tamlin is extremely naive for how old he is and impressionable That's exactly That's what, what i was about to say yeah yeah, he, yeah. like he is he, he's not as old as Rhysand, but he's old enough to understand, like, the way things work, mm-hmm. what happened historically that has led them to this point. He also contributed to who Amarantha is in the first book. But, like, the choices that he makes throughout the series, considering he's responsible for so many people and he's been alive for so long, it, it just shows how, like, naive and kind of immature he is. And I hope mm-hmm. that, like, his relationship with Feyre and kind of his back and forth picking sides in this war will help develop him into like a better character in the books going forward but i do Mm -hmm. hope he has a redemption arc i think there's some good redeeming qualities but at the end of the day he shouldn't be as naive as he is and i think he's not outwardly malicious but he's so naive and it causes so many people pain that like he makes terrible choices yeah and they have really bad consequences and so i hope he learns and grows from that but like i don't think he's outwardly malicious or anything I was going to say the same thing, because I think he's just kind of dumb. Like I, like, I just think that he doesn't really think about his actions thoroughly. He's about a like, man. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, as somebody with a fellow blonde brother, I understand, so. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. It's actually kind of scary, Courtney, how similar Brielle's, Brielle's brother and my brother look. They were, like, best friends oh, for a long boy. time, too. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, something else I want to talk about. Uh, so through their little bond, they sexed a lot. Love that. Oh my god, they yeah. do. They're literally. Like, passing, like the, the bond and passing notes. Like they are literally two skilled children, like kicking their feet and like. <laughs> yeah. About yeah. each other all the time. The mm-hmm. sexual so tension is just my favorite. It's I love good. it so much. Well, and I think that's an important part to their development that we like didn't touch on before is that they had a very slow but like sexual burn. Because when they do finally, like, share the bed, it's, she's like, it's just sex. Like, we'll just play around a little bit. Like, relieve some tension. And it's like, mm, uh, okay. And it's the like, whole time please, like, please do. Yeah. It's like, and they're like, the whole time he's, like, trying to tell her, like, get her to say, like, I think Rhysand's the hottest. Like, and then she's like, you, she is supposed to be beautiful and like kind of not like the other girls but in like not an annoying like pick me way but just in the <laughs> truly like everyone loves Feyre she flirts with the other high lords she uses her attractiveness and her flirtation to like kind of like get her way when she's conniving through other courts to stop Highburn so she weaponizes that a little bit and he does too like he flirts with people to get his way like he's very sensual like that's literally his character is to be like dark and smooth so they use that against each other just as much. And I feel like it's really interesting to watch how with Tamlin, he's like so many gifts, like trying to make her eat, like all the stuff. And it's like, Rishan does that too, but he is like just truly a more developed character. And she is developing as a character where they're like picking up on like little things about each other and they're flirting with the idea of each other and they're using their flirtation against each other. So as over time, like, yes, they're falling in love, but it's like, the whole time pointing to their mating bond that there's like some this is like a Taylor Swift quote but like invisible string pulling them <laughs> to each other and they're just like and they, it, when it finally comes to a head is when it's like oh that makes so much sense because this whole time like they act like they hate each other they act like they don't like each other she's so resistant to visiting the spring court or sorry visiting the night court and like wants to go <laughs> back but in reality like <laughs> yeah, it's like the whole time they are developing a very multi-dimensional relationship so it's like they're sexting but it's like it's they're sexting because they're mates and it's not just like oh i think you're hot it's like there's something about you that i can't fucking stand but i'm still flirt with you anyway i, I really I'm a sucker for that me too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i really hate also how many times they say mate in this book because every time, like, half the time they say mate, and I'm like, okay, it's fine. But then sometimes they say mate, and I'm, like, thinking of, like, an Australian guy. <laughs> um, but, like, I just don't, I don't, like, we get it. You don't need to say it, like, 7,000 times that he's your mate. In fact, there's one line in here that cringe, that I cringed when I read it, and I, I marked it because it made me, like, ugh, like, actually. And that is, oh, shit, where did it go? I just had it. Oh my god, did I rip it out? Oh Oh my god. In your anger? In your fury? No, like, I just had it, like, like, I just had it, so, like, I must have just ripped it out. 
I will say Ugh. that, like, at least initially, I think it's because they're introducing the concept of a mate, and then they have to communicate to everyone that they are mates. I, it is used pretty frequently. Yeah. Um, but I also, here's my thing, is I read a few fantasy romances before this. I read some werewolf romances and they have the faded mate concept too so it wasn't as foreign to me i think which is why it wasn't as noticeable yeah but that's the thing so like for an example the vampire diaries right they have faded mates in vampire diaries and i don't mind it in there i mean yeah it was annoying to hear freaking sire bond every two seconds but like i would prefer to hear sire bond than mate i don't know what it is about the word mate specifically Makes me feel like Did animals you notice or that they something. Do use, you know, Sire has like you know how in Vampire Diaries your sire is often like the person that you made into a vampire. So like they are sired to you because they have this bond to you as their creator. In Akatar, throughout the whole series, they do use the term sire, but sire only like re- is I don't know how to explain it. It's like they use sire to explain someone's offspring. So it was interesting to see the difference. It was like when they mm-hmm. talk about like someone being sired to someone else, it's because they're their child and it's already so hard to have a child in Prithian. Like if you're a fae, you don't have like good odds for fertility. Like they spend hundreds and hundreds of years trying and sometimes they will never have a, a child. So when they do use the term sire, I always notice they use it to describe someone's birth child. So like when the Illyrians, because like Azkaz and Resand are all Illyrian bred Fae's, they are not like high fae fully, or like actually, as and Cassian aren't high fae at all. Recent's half high fae, half um, Illyrian is like when they describe the children of the Illyrian um, species, they're their sires. So I thought it was interesting, just like the different universes. This is like it's not a significant plot point at all, so I don't know why I'm going on this total rant, but like okay. they. It's really interesting how, like, in different universes, different books, because, like, Vampire Diaries started as a book series, too, that these mythical beings and their different relationships and sired versus mated versus all these things mean such different things. But I almost feel like I like it most in Akatar because the sire bond in Vampire Diaries is, like, I'm bonded to you because you made me. In a way, that's, like, Elaine and Nesta to the cauldron because they made her. Or it made them. And they, like, have this connection to it. And then they will always... All the things that come from the cauldron. Things that have been made by the cauldron. They are called to. But in the sense of, like, a sire bond that's not existing between two people because they love each other. That's where the mating bond comes in. And they can still choose to reject it. Just like they rejected the sire bond in Vampire Diaries. And they spent all this time trying to break them. um, Between different sires. But it's, like, in... Akatar, it's really interesting to watch how like different relationships form that you can reject mating bonds that you can sometimes you can't reject a mating bond some people are mated but they have absolutely no love for each other like Rhysand's parents like it's just so I like the addition of these complicated mated relationships as opposed to like you're my mate and I love you that worked for Rhysand and Faye or Feyre, but, like, it doesn't work for everybody and I thought that was kind of cool yeah well and I think the term like I know Maddie you said the term mate makes you feel like it's animalistic, but the the fae are a lot more, like, elemental and, like, in touch with nature, and they're a lot more animalistic. I mean, like, Tamlin has his beast form or whatever, and so does Resand. Yeah. And so, like, I do think it kind of, and it goes, I think that goes to the, the elements of fae that are supposed to be more animalistic, right? Like, they're more violent, but they also, like, 
I, I don't know. I, I, I like the faded mate concept. It's, it's the same thing as, like, being written in the stars. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a new concept, but it's just something that's, like, solidified in the plot by magic as opposed to, like, yeah, circumstance. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, like, with, like, what I like about, like, forced proximity, how it's mm-hmm. like, oh, they have to be together. It's like a deeper level of that. Of that's like They're yeah. tied together, so how are they going to navigate it what are they gonna do with it I right guess. well and i like that too like no matter how hard they fight it mm-hmm. it's there it's destined to like draw them together like mm-hmm. i i like the tension that creates just uh like in the dialogue uh, in the storyline mm-hmm. i think it's a, a good contribution but it's gonna be interesting a- for elaine oh boy Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's a couple of different things that we forgot to mention and this quote that i wanted to that made me cringe i wanted to say but we have to talk about what happened and that is that volaris gets sieged like there's Ah, a siege of volaris Mm -hmm. and during this she's she's killing the adder or whatever the hell they're called the the atter big scary batman yeah and she goes my mate Death incarnate, night triumph. Ugh! So cringy. I just, oh my god, I wanted to throw my. I actually did close the book for a minute. I was so <laughs> cringed. Also, something else we forgot to mention is that Jurian is reincarnated as uh, well. Jurian. Jurian oh, yeah, plays. Him yeah. I hate. Okay, Jurian. I have to say this. Every time I read his name in my head, I'm reading like Jurian. I don't know why. <laughs> like Julian, but someone who has like a speech impediment. Uh, yeah it's so like i just like the i thought things were gonna get real good when jurian was reincarnated yeah well jurian's just a human and we didn't really touch on this when we went over the first book but Mm -hmm. jurian is who killed amarantha's sister he was part of like the human forces he he worked with resan's side of stuff essentially um and Amarantha has his eye on a ring and a finger bone on his necklace, and like they they take it Slay. when he dies, and I, I which I also just like I don't understand the motivation between like behind reviving Durian. Like why would that? He's a human, and also he had like opposing views to the yeah. people who tried to yeah revive him. So I was like, why? He's like yeah, he's like a Nazi for the other side. Yeah, well, I don't understand <laughs> I why. Remember what. What I remember is that Highburns, um, he thought, like, the king of Highburn thought that because Durian had lived for 500 years in the ring and watched Amarantha torture and rape and pull apart all of these fae, that he would be changed by that, that he would turn evil. So, like, he lives in the ring, he's supposed to, he's fully conscious about his physical body, like, he's seeing all these terrible things happen under Amarantha's rule, who is just, like, one step below how awful Highburn is. That Hybern revived him thinking that he would be a weapon. That, like, Jurian, like, yeah, he fought with the humans. Like, yeah, he is a human. Like, he killed Amarantha's sister, whatever. But he, because he was capable of killing Amarantha's sister, and because he watched and suffered at Amarantha's hands for so long, that he thought by turning him, he would be, like, Amarantha 2.0. That he would be his weapon against the humans. In trying to destroy the wall between the human lands and Prithian, he was like, oh... Durian's on my side now. I've got this 500-year-old little bitch that I can boss around <laughs> who lived in this little ring. And it's like, actually, no. This whole time, Durian's, like, conspiring against Highburn secretly, too, yeah. and helping Feyre kind of, like, wedge her way out of the spring court. And what eventually comes during the war, like, we'll talk about in a little bit. But I think 
it's it's like <laughs> it's just he a is meant gamble. to be used as this weapon. Yeah, yeah, it's just like like logically, everything with Hyper. He also can't do much though. Like when they every time he was mentioned, I don't even remember what his description was in the book, but I imagined like what a middle school boy looks like, like the way he like <laughs> acted and stuff. I imagined like a lanky child like talking. Yeah, like <laughs> I literally child. can't picture him other than that. I have no idea what he was supposed to look like. But I just feel like he's not very useful, like, physically, what's he gonna do? Yeah. Because it's, I don't know. Um, I will say, too, Maddie, Maddie usually is good at pulling out plot points. She was texting me about the first book a while ago, and she's wrong about a few things that I was surprised about. Oh, were you surprised with the plot twist that, like, Resand is Pharaoh's mate? Or No, because okay. I've seen it before, so it was kind of already... Okay. Ruined, I guess. The the one thing that I was surprised about and that I predicted that did not come true, and that is that I thought Feyre, and maybe this maybe it will be true in one of the future books, so if it is, whatever, Say but nothing. from what it looks like now, it doesn't seem like that's the case. I thought that Feyre was going to be, like, part Fey, like, just in her human form, because she is like her sister refers to her as like a wild beast and like there's like a lot of like subtle under like t like in retrospect it's just like under text but when you're reading it it could have been foreshadow and that's that pharaoh was part fey and that's why nobody liked her in her human world why she you was know, so there are like fan theories for sure because all we know about pharaoh's mom is that she was like deathly ill yeah. And that, like, she was kind of an evil lady, and that, but, like, what she gave something up to be with her human husband, if she's human herself, then, like, that's just, you know, life, relationships, whatever. But there are a lot of people that suspect the reason why Nesta can see past a glamour and can, like, withstand a, like, the magic of a fae, and why Feyre was, like, why she takes on so much power whenever she was made is because... And also, why Elaine and Nesta have so much power after they've been made. They're not just any high fae. It's because people think that... And there's, like, some specific line in, I think, Mist and Fury that points to this, potentially, and that's where people are running with it, that they may have had some fae lineage. Because somewhere in the book, I don't remember where, but they're talking about people back in, the, like, one of the first wars between humans and fae, that someone... I forgot what her name was. It's uh, mentioned... And throughout, there was the one who um, who, cro who did, like, the Moses walk across the river or across the ocean, and she, like, parted the sea so she could take home one of the fae who was, like, dying in the war or something, and she was, um, it was, like, this whole thing. I forgot what it was. But that her, some of the people who were alive during that war, they've all died. But there, like, there could be still some ancestral tie, like, 20 generations up to the human world so this generation of fey died out in the war in one of the wars but that some of them survived through the humans and that it's been the case that humans and fey can mate it just doesn't really work out because human women can't really birth a fey baby very easily but that like it's happened so there's something in there that suggests that it's possible that fey can live on like fey blood fey magic can live on through humans after generations and generations of dilution and people think that part of why pharaoh nesta elaine's dad like lost his fortune and someone came and shattered his knee and like his boats disappeared is because their mom just so like broke a bargain 
Like, just like she may have had a tattoo, you know, or she did something to break a bargain with the Fae, which is like the highest order to all of them, is that she may have broken a bargain. And her punishment, as a Fae who chose, or as a Fae remnant, who chose a human and like lived in the human lands and all that stuff, I don't necessarily think she was full Fae. I think she may have some of it, which could suggest why she died of a mysterious illness. The father like lost his fortune and was beat by who knows who. Like, they don't even say it. it's like the tax collectors. Like, really? And this is a Fey world, and they got beat by a creditors tax collector. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, mm. fuck off. <laughs> like all of that, in considering, like none of that makes sense without this potential. Like, were they part Fey? And that could explain so much of like, yeah, they were made, but they're super powerful. Yeah, the dad was like rich once and lost his fortune, but like, who really came to take it from him? Why did the mom die? Like, there's so much we don't know about our parents, and so much that has become of the three girls that I'm, like, in the full camp. Like, I think that's canon. That, like, they are okay. somehow perfect. Well, and here's the thing, too. So I've read through the Throne of Glass series, and I've read okay, through... Okay, I was gonna ask if anybody had. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Crescent City, and in both of those books, the, f- the female um, fae main characters are both half fae. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, like, a Sarah J. Mass theme, but I suppose, they, but... The pointed ears... I feel like would be yeah, a Yeah, but they they for... they do have pointed ears. Yeah, even in for, Throne of Glass, I guess like Feyre, Elaine, and Nesta not having any of those traits. And I would think too like so they say that Elaine has like brown eyes like their dad, but Feyre and Nesta basically have the same face, but Nesta has more like sharp features. Mm-hmm. So who knows, maybe it's even the case that like maybe Elaine was the only one who is actually their dads and or that's something, why she right? Loves the dad too. Right? And Nesta and Feyre don't ever really feel like a super yeah, strong like their dad. connection to him Whoa. aside from things that happen later on. But that like that that could be a potential plot point, but well, and I don't disagree, because SJM doesn't leave anything out. Like, she doesn't put these little details where it's like, that meant nothing. Let's mm-hmm. move on. It's like, everything comes back somehow. And I think because there's still room, I think for three more books, right? There's two novellas planned and one more, like, full-on 600-page text type vibe. Something like that. So, I think because, yeah, because there's so much space for this to continue developing, I think that we're going to come back to who is the mom, who is the dad, what is Elaine? No one knows that yet. Like, yeah, she's... Yeah, she's, she's just like, terrifying. She's... She's just terrifying, and, like, she's a seer, and she can see the future and stuff, but, like, what about it? So, like, and then nothing really of substance. She was just able to detect that Highburn was going to come and attack Valaris, and, like, that's all that we've got. So I think it's interesting how there's so much room for all of these little points where it's like, yeah, they don't actually all look alike. And some of them had specific relationships with other people, and the others didn't. And, like, why was the dad beat up? Like, all of that, I feel like will make more sense in a way that we don't know anything about yet because i just don't feel like she would write that and not make anything of it like i just feel like that's not her true yeah i had i had kind of like a like like a pharah is kind of like a klaus where like she has the same mom as her sisters but the dad is different so like i was Mm -hmm. thinking that like she maybe fell in love with a fairy or she was taken advantage of by a fairy. I'd prefer if she fell in love with a fairy. I, I would prefer that to be the outcome. Um, but she, you know, she ends up pregnant and she has Feyre, but like having Feyre took a lot out of her because mm-hmm. Feyre is Fey, and her name is Feyre. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, I'm gonna name her something sneaky and 
I think that it makes I like she's so OP as a human. She can defeat all of you know the trials with the help of Resand, but she still did a lot of the work to defeat it. Then she you know she becomes a fairy and she's starting to withhold her power. And as we get into the third book, she's able to sort of master some of these harder tasks that are hard for fairies who are learning things to do, but they're not as hard for her to do. Right. Well, and like. At, at this point in the story, they explain that by, like, she has a piece of each High Lord in her. But, like, Feyre yeah. is extremely powerful, and I feel like she learns her powers very, very quickly. Which, also Don't throughout Court of Mist and Fury, Resand is teaching her how to use some of the abilities that yeah. she's developed. Um, but she hasn't quite been able to... I think that also can be, like, her quickness in learning those things can also be put up to the fact that this these books can't take place over like a hundred yeah. years or something very true so i feel like it could be important to the plot but also it's like you have the to book couldn't the be much if she couldn't learn those things in terms fast. of like timing and yeah stuff. that makes sense i think i think we should probably transition into the second book yeah. so that we yeah. can get into the sisters <laughs> a little bit more and some of the other high lords okay so that was a really uh hard fast stop there and the reason for that is because we went on for an, almost another two hours talking about the third book, Akawar, and I figured that it was probably just best if we cut that and just made it into two episodes. So here we are, doing an outro for you. That's right. Bite-sized Bite chunks. chunks. <laughs> what, did you, what did you think of the first two parts? Do you think it went well? I did, I and I... Um, you know, it was really nice just to have some extra people in in the group. Like, I really love doing this with you every week and talking about stuff. Um, but we do tend to agree on things most of the time. So it was nice to have someone else's perspective. We don't agree on this, actually. But <laughs> um, I don't know. It's It's just nice to have a couple extra people contributing, especially people that, like, I care about and you care about just contributing to something that we both have put so much you particularly have put so much time and effort into but um i don't know it just felt nice to like share it with other people too i know it's like it's like sharing our baby yeah yeah welcome to the podcast <laughs> and um you know you told me brielle really enjoyed it and grace said she enjoyed it too um so I don't know, it, and, like, Grace and I's friendship has kind of started to develop, to develop over this year, and so, like, sharing something like this with her was really neat. Yeah. I know, we gotta do, uh, I think we gotta do more guest episodes, because these are a lot of fun to do. I think so, too. We just have to get people who are willing to, like, actually read and commit to showing up. I'm sure they're out there. I have lots of friends who read, but... I know. Well, we'll have Colin on this summer, so... That's right. A male I'm guest. So Eventually, Finally. we'll have we'll have um, Tyler and Kevin on too. So yeah, yeah, they they committed. Oral contract. It's enforceable. <laughs> it's enforceable. Yes, it is. <laughs> Terry told me that when he was in, law, <laughs> in his little law school. <laughs> Um, okay, well, if you are still watching at this point, thank you so much for watching and enjoying our little rambles here at the end. Um, we are on Instagram, we are on Facebook, we are on TikTok, TikTok. yeah, and if you are, you know, curious what we're doing when we're not 
on here, um, go on there. We post every single day on there, um, on those platforms. Then we also, if you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple, please leave a review for us. We really appreciate it. Um, and then, uh, what else am I forgetting? Oh, like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. And uh, when we click off here, when you click on the next one, or you come back next week, uh, we will look the exact same because <laughs> we are recording intros and outros right now, and we are just, the next episode is the exact same conversation that we just had just about the last, or the, not the last book, but the, the third, third book. book that we did today, so. Yeah, and then we'll be filming the the next the last two books after that episode so just keep up with the the instagram page our social medias and you'll be able to kind of follow along with when this stuff is coming out but um it's been very fun so i look forward to hearing all of your guys' feedback but until then happy reading happy reading i was gonna say it too <laughs>